welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. We told you so. Them, unless it doesn't happen, takes were absolute gas on Thursday night. They were absolute flames. We told you, you best not sleep on this week three slate. We told you that every single time y'all be sleepwalking through that week three slate, boom, UT Martin. Boom, Western Kentucky. Just right around the corner, you never know. Boom, Wyoming, Texas. Watch yourself, okay? Unless it doesn't happen on Saturday or Thursday night, which if you didn't watch, you should have. Unless it doesn't happen, was one of our best segments we've ever had on this channel. If you don't believe me, just listen to the montage, baby. The Florida Gators <laughs> upset the Tennessee Volunteers on Saturday. Dude, I like it. I'm calling it. How's that happen? Joe Milton doesn't play very well, throws a pick six. Florida uses their ability in the swamp to take over the game and wins a 24-21 disgusting match. I have Wyoming makes Texas looks pedestrian. Oh, yeah. a fourth quarter game, dude. I yeah. think Texas is riding super high right now. <laughs> Wyoming, solid little team out west, comes in and gives Texas some big problems. Hey, you heard it here first, unless it doesn't happen. Michael Penix Heisman hype starts this weekend. I'm talking 420, 420 yards against Michigan nice. State. He had 397 in this football game last year at home. It's like a two-and-a-half quarter football game. Washington had 39 points midway through the third, okay? It, it was foot off the gas territory for the Huskies last year. This year, mm-mm, footing that gas on that ass. Michael Penix, 420 yards passing. You heard it here first, unless it didn't happen. Uh, Michael Penix, 479 yards and several tutties and a 41-7 win over Sparty and East Lansing. Them boys in Wyoming. They made Texas look rather average, didn't they, Kirby? They sure did. Absolutely. And then what was our other one? You nailed another one. Tennessee loses to Florida. That's right. We absolutely, we all wanted to be on that one. If any of it, if, if Jonathan and I had a pair of sack, like, like our boy Kirby over here, we'd have been all over that one. I, I wanted to so bad. You remember my statement? I said, I want to pick this game mm -hmm. so bad. I want mm -hmm. to pick. I just no balls. No balls at all. I feel like that was the upset that kind of everyone wanted to pick. Mm -hmm. And the fact that everyone wanted to pick it was kind of like, eh, maybe not. But someone had to take it. So. Woo-hoo. That week three slate was slap drunk, dude. That week three slate was up till 2 a.m. drunk. That week three slate ordered Uber Eats from Taco Bell, forgot they did, walked next door to McDonald's and ate them both. That week three slate was so drunk it left its wallet, phone, and keys at three separate bars. That week three slate was so drunk it talks about his high school football career. That week three slate was so drunk it gave itself a pep talk in the bathroom mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that week three slate was so drunk it texted its ex-girlfriend, I'm him. This week three slate was so drunk it woke up fully clothed in the bed with an uncharged phone. Oh, That's the worst. That is the worst. This week three slate was so drunk it woke up in a bush. This week three slate was so drunk. I don't know. I was just hammered. Yeah. I ran out. Any more? 
No, no that's, yeah, that's all I got either. That's, like <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, hey, welcome into tonight's show. We got a loaded one for you guys tonight. We're going to talk about old Struggle Central. Had a couple of football teams just riding on that struggle bus this weekend. We're going to talk about it. Top 25 overreactions coming to you today. We're going to talk about Tennessee tumbling down there in Gainesville. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Bama being outside the top 10 for the first time in how long? I think it's like eight years since eight years been a fat minute since they opened the season one and one with a loss to lsu i believe it was a couple years back uh colorado uh absolutely sneaking by one out there in boulder we'll talk a little bit about that can we get two pac-12 teams in the college football playoff we'll tell you why or why not a little bit later and of course the most highly anticipated segment of the week Brooks's top 12 coming up at the end of tonight's show. Hey, but I want to give a quick shout out not only to our friends at Prize Picks, promo code Brooks gives you 100% deposit match over there today, but I also want to give a shout out to you guys that are, sh are showing up for NBR here on this channel. Uh, NBR been one of our stickier pieces of content that we have on the network. I mean, the retention rates on this thing are through the roof. So the folks that have found this, y'all are loving it and we love you for it. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like and subscribe and all that good stuff. If you want to hang out with the boys, we will be live and in person out there at Creature Comforts in Athens this Thursday. Okay, that's Thursday, September 21st, starting at 6.30 at Creature Comforts in Athens. We'll be there till 8.30. We'll be pre-recording a show. We'll be putting that up in our standard time slots coming up on the channel and over on the podcast platforms available wherever, however you find and catch your podcast. That'll be up over there on Friday morning. Not going to do that live. Going to pre-record that, hang out with the folks. Maybe we'll bring the board. Maybe we can do a little AMA. Okay, all the, we said this the other day. All those goofy football questions y'all want to ask, ask them in person. We'll bring the board. We'll do all that good stuff over at Creature Comforts. Again, no, hey, no ticket prices, no nothing. All right, everything's free except for the beer. All right, and the takes. The takes ain't free. The takes is hot. Show up, okay, September 21st over there at Creatures Conference. Uh, it was a great week three slate. We told you it was going to be. We told you you were boo hockey. You were absolutely mediocre. If you were out on Twitter last weekend complaining about this week three slate, because guess what? That motherfucker delivered. That somebody showed up, and it played some football on Saturday. Um, so let's start with FSU, okay? Florida State escaped one. And if you looked up, okay, but, you know, Georgia kicked off at what? Uh, 3.30 on Saturday, and, and that game was kind of like in the midst of it. That was a nooner out there in Boston College. Mm -hmm. You look up, Florida State's struggling, and you wonder how. Well, come to find out, they had a 17-point a lead. 17-point lead. It was easy, well over 10. Yeah, well over 10. Two-score two lead for sure. Okay, ball inside their own 20. Wide receiver fumbles one on a little uh, sweeps or a little uh, swing screen. Okay, BC picks it up, takes it back to the house, 14-point swing. All of a sudden, Florida State's in a dogfight up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what's crazy about that game is that Boston College finished the game with 19 penalties. Yeah. So, I mean, you eliminate half of those. Boston College very well might win that game. It's, it's interesting to me that it doesn't really matter what conference you play in. You go on the road, you have critical turnovers, one that goes back for a touchdown, you're going to be in a sweater. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you are reckless with the football like Florida State was on Saturday, somebody's going to push you. I think of all the teams that quote unquote struggled this week, that one is the most alarming because it's not like they came out and it was like, all right, it's 10 to 10 at halftime or they're kind of struggling to get anything going. And then they finally get something going and it's a 20 point victory. They had the lead and then they squandered it. And then when shit hit the fan, it just kept tumbling. So that's kind of alarming for Florida State where if, you know, if something goes wrong in a game, it's going to just keep getting worse. You don't want that. 
But is it? Do you not extend them just a tad bit of credit because they at least righted the ship towards the back end of that fourth quarter and and, and come out with a victory? No, yeah, good teams, elite teams find a Fine way to ways. win in those scenarios. Those scenarios, and I mean they're going to get tested this week. It's their biggest game of the season because they're going to play Clemson at Clemson this week. So, so yeah. maybe some oversight, and and that that was the whole thing we worried about with this week three slate. Like, hey, watch out now. Like, don't be overlooking mm-hmm. opponent A for opponent B because opponent A might mess around and get you. I, I don't know if this is true. I saw it. I think Florida State's only two-point favorites in Clemson. I'll double-check. Go ahead and yeah, – no, I don't know why. When's the last ahead. time the top three team wasn't favored by five or more points against an unranked team? Don't you think that's a little more historical, like Vegas taking historical context into account? Because I don't think Florida State's beaten Clemson since, like, 2011. It's been uh, – yeah, I mean, it might I not. I think they're one for their last 12 against Clemson. Yeah. It's been that bad. So, I could imagine – Two points on the dot. Yeah, two that's points. crazy. Favored by two. No, FSU is. FSU favored by two. Yeah. Seems like one of them tricky lines. One of mm-hmm. them stay away from kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Very similar to K-State minus three and a half at Missouri. Thought that was stealing money. So much so that I put money on it myself and I tweeted it out for all you guys to lose your money on. Oops. And, uh, well, you know, thicker kicker out here hitting 61 yarders, man. How about my boy Harrison Mevis? Out here just launching nukes, man. That was insane. 61 yarder? 61 yarder and the man, the, the the mullet man or the 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 bowl cut, my man Drink gave it. They they had a a delay a game, knocked it from a 56 back to a 61, and homeboy just drilled that sucker. How yeah. anti-clutch is that to get a delay <laughs> of game on a 56-yard field goal to win the football game? Man, what a swing of emotions for Kansas State because you're probably like 56, yeah. you're sweating that a little bit, then you're like, oh, 61? No shot. No shot he makes this and he drills it. Like, that's just crazy. They don't know about a thicker kicker. My man be living in the calf. What do you think of the field storming? Because this has been a kind Look, of a hot topic. So here, here's my thing about field storming. Clemson does it every game. Ugh. Every game. So until Clemson gets the smoke, nobody gets the smoke. I don't care who you are. Storm that I feel like Clemson does get the smoke, though. No. Everyone just kind of accepts Clemson as the weird fan base. Well, I feel like they were getting the smoke every single week until people finally realized, like, oh, they just do this every game. So we're not going to complain about them doing it every single game if that's just what they do. But, like, when when people are kind of realizing the trend, they're like, bro, what is this? This is so corny. So how does the – I know there's a, a rule in place where you, you have to pay a fine when mm-hmm. you storm the field, right? Does that only apply in SEC matchups? I don't Because Missouri's so. probably not having to pay for this. Yeah, but I mean, Tennessee did last year when uh, – oh, no, no, they had to pay a fine because they ripped the goalpost Yeah, they down. threw yeah. the goalpost in the river. Yeah. My phone's blown up. Apparently Nick Chubb just had a horrible knee injury. Oh, dang. Yeah, that's not good. Anywho, but, yeah, it, it is weird to – see these teams like which team storms the field and on what occasion they do as well because like colorado was 24 point favorites yeah, and they won 23 in, and a half and they won in double overtime and they still storm the field and i don't think colorado mm. storms the field every week dude that's a football team that won one game last year yeah it is it is they can do whatever they want yeah i don't really care um but yeah that i, I thought the oh i thought it was an overreaction to the florida state thing to be honest with you I thought that was a football team sleepwalking through a noon kick up mm-hmm. in Boston College, had a 14-point lead, was ready to pack it in, starting to make you know plans for when they got home back in Tallahassee, and the next thing you know, you're in a fist fight in the fourth quarter. And they managed to – like, sometimes as a football player, you get up in a football game like that, and you can really start to relax. And, and it's hard to get the momentum back up once the other team steals it, which like just like Boston College did on Saturday for SFU or SF. 
Yeah, FSU. For what did I you just start say? With S SFU. SFU. For FSU dyslexia. For FSU to to find a way to get back into that football game and and right the ship. I'm good with it. I, I wrote it right here in my notes. It's almost as if they laid an egg, all right, out here just pooping on the field, and then they were like, hey, we're in pretty shallow water. Let's just, like, attach a 45-pound weight to our waist and just go jump off in the deep end and see if we can survive. And they managed a way to survive. So I'm going to give them a little bit of credit for overcoming the stupidity that was tying themselves to a weight and jumping off into the deep end. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this Tennessee upset at Florida. We talked a little bit about it. We almost all called this um, to start the football game. I think Austin Armstrong is going to be a superstar in college football. Yeah, yeah. The defense coordinator down there from Florida. I think he does and, and calls defense and coaches defense with the energy required to be one of these next head coaching candidates as a defensive coordinator. I mean, you go in there and shut down an offense like Tennessee. I don't care what Joe Milton looked like on Saturday. The fact that Florida went in there, and Florida kept that game under control. It was not really a game that was back and forth or anything like that. Florida maintained the lead throughout the majority of the football game, and the defense was a large part of that. So you go in there and you shut down an offense like Tennessee, you get all the credit in the world. So my analysis last week was that I thought Tennessee was going to stuff – or Florida was going to stuff that ass in a locker. Okay, but I thought that the third and fourth quarter depth and ability to maintain was going to be an issue, and eventually that running game would take over. Well, where my analysis failed me in that situation was not realizing that emotions of a home game, emotions of an SEC home game at night, are going to overcome any type of depth issues early on in the season because the injuries haven't started to pile up. We're not down to our, our third-string tackle or whatever the, the case may be. In that moment, if you only have 50 and they have 65 guys, my 50, because we're at home, can summon enough energy to play the role of 65. That's mm -hmm. what I failed to realize. Yeah, it's the old 300 thing where you're yeah. outnumbered, but you just, you just got that juice. No foos. No, no foos. foos. All juice. No foos. All juice. I think my favorite picture that's going to come, you got to put this on your wall, is the two players squaring up. Oh, yeah. That's the one of the – Did you guys – um, oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. You got it. Um, did you guys hear Josh Heupel talk about it after the game? Nah, he said that the the dude was back there dancing around or something. Yeah. Well, also, before not not to cut you off. Hey, Josh, can you stop chewing gum during your post game press conference? It's disrespectful as shit. Okay. Where my parent, the way my mama raised me, when I'm speaking to somebody, I don't chew on gum. Okay. I take my hat and sunglasses oh, off. Yeah, I was about to say it. <laughs> I take my hat and sunglasses off too. Quit chewing gum in your presser, man. Well, you know, be on. Uh uh. But yeah, he talks about how Merch was back there dancing around, so somebody has to tackle him, but. Why call a timeout in the first place? If you don't call a timeout in the first place, then that never happens anyways. Also, why apologize to Billy Napier at midfield and say, sorry about all that mess. That's my fault. We were trying to get the ball back. Okay, and then go, yeah, uh-huh. I know. And then go into your press conference and be like, you know, we had to do what we had to do. I, I should have mentioned that, too, that he was like, well, we were trying to get the ball back. But then in that same ten sentence, he's like, I don't know if we get an onside kick or anything like that to make it a game. But that's what we were trying to do. I was like, then what are you doing? If, like, if you don't even think you can get in that situation, why are you wasting your own time? And now you got a player suspended for a half. Very weird. And I kind of wonder how quickly this Tennessee fan base is going to start to turn on Heifel. Because they were riding extremely high, even after the South Carolina loss. I mean, we had guys getting tattoos of his face. What? Jo Joe, you didn't see that? <laughs> Bro's out here getting so Heifel wild. tats? You never saw – after the Alabama game? It's too much. Dude had a uh, full – like Josh Heifel with the cigar in his mouth on his calf. Either And, and Joe Milton was the going to be the Heisman winner. Everyone was going to – they were saying, you know, again, feels like 98, but – Top five – 
top five least appealing coaches to have tattooed on your leg? Yes, <laughs> that's what I was It's not a say. good. It's not like a high quality tattoo either. He looks like a. He looks like the caterpillar from a Bug's Life on the tattoo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> look it up. I'm serious. Look at I know it. who the caterpillar is. I've seen a bug's life. Uh, yeah, I've all up right now. Of all things, alcohol. Tennessee to get tattooed on you. You went with Josh Heupel's face. That's not a good move. Well, you know, there are worse things to do. Hey, Colorado barely snuck by Colorado State this weekend. We already talked about this, the field storming and all that good stuff. Um, I texted the boys uh, Saturday night at about two o'clock in the morning. On it, it was two thirty, yeah. and I said, "Hey, week one, Shadur Sanders impressed the shit out of me." for his ability to process information. Okay, uh, TCU rushed three, maybe four, had some time back there, dropped eight, seven, all day, played pass, played coverage, because they knew t- uh, Colorado wasn't gonna be able to run the football. What does Shadur sit back there and do? He picks them apart. I mean, just picking that, uh, that zone apart all day long, playing with good decision-making, not putting the ball at risk, playing on time, being a processor at the quarterback position. I came on here after week two against Nebraska, and I said, damn, he showed me he's a superior athlete. He is a guy that can extend plays with his legs, make plays on the move outside of the pocket. He can do things on the college level that are required to be great on the NFL level with with regards to athleticism. That's what I saw in week two. And in week three, if you watch that Colorado State game, dude, he was making 1% arm talent throws. He was throwing beams all across that football field. All right, so week one, processor. Week two, great athlete. Week three, elite arm talent. Shadur Sanders checked a whole lot of boxes for me, guys. Colorado has not. Colorado does not have a run game. Colorado does not have much of a consistent defense. Colorado plays sloppy. Don't protect the football on Saturday. But Shadur Sanders, 98-yard touchdown uh, drive, one of the best quarterbacks in college football, no doubt. Mm-hmm. What impressed me most about him was his ability to fit things into tight spaces. Mm. Like when he was able to stick his fingers into that guy's face mask and gouge his oh. eyes, that shit was impressive. And do it sneakily, too. Sneakily. Just the only, yeah. thing that got, only thing that caught him was the camera. When's the last time you've seen a good Three Stooges eye poke in college football? Uh, Brandon Spikes. Brandon Spikes. Oh, so that's yeah. like 15 years he ago. He got caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, what Shadur showed on Saturday – it's just how important and how pivotal um, transcendent quarterback play is because they were without their best weapon. They didn't have Travis Hunter for the majority of that game. Yet Colorado, with their backs against the wall, literally against the wall on the two-yard line, march down the field, go into overtime, and Shadur Sanders leads them to a win. Can we also do something? Can we extend these sidelines, man? I'm, t- I'm talking to you, Oklahoma State. I'm talking to you, Ole Miss. I'm talking to you, uh, Missouri. I'm talking to you uh, out here at Vanderbilt. All, hey, Colorado, all you guys that have, like, enough room for the bench and then, boom, wall, like, can we stop? Y'all have uh, millions and millions of dollars. Extend that sucker a little bit. I'm tired of watching guys, like, run off into the sideline and damn near Lambo leap their way into fans. Like, let's stop with that. Um, it's like arena football. It really is. <laughs> I mean, that Boulder game felt like that. Not to mention, yeah. he's got 500 celebrities on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Weird dude, weird dude, The Rock. I think I think The Rock is one of the more socially awkward dudes I've ever seen. Watch that post game when you know Dion's doing the "Give Me My Theme Music" thing, and he's got Mama Dion, Mama Sanders up there talking about you know I was I told him to go stunt your shit, all that stuff. Watch The Rock. The Rock's just standing there with his hands on his hips, just like yeah, yeah, just being weird. Like why are you there? Why are you standing? Anyways, The Rock. Um, but what not, a football not a Rock game. Fan, huh? 
No, I am a Rock fan. I just think the Rock's socially awkward as hell. Um, that football game was tremendous, though. It was old school. I mean, we had hospitalizations. We had eye gouging. We had late hits. We had fights. We had pregame and postgame shit talk. That was a football that game. Was, that's, that's what makes college football so great. If you'd have told someone five weeks ago, you're going to stay up till 3 a.m. and watch Colorado versus Colorado State, and it's going to be the most entertaining game you've seen of this season, they'd have laughed at you. Checks out. That's what makes college football so great. It really does. Again, don't sleep on week three, man. I, I, I think we learned a lesson as a, as a college football faithful. Don't be out here sleeping on that week three, though. Went from hating to from noon until two o'clock in the morning. You were watching some good football. Bro, I was long. mainlining football. Yeah. Oh yeah. I felt disgusting Sunday morning when I woke up. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> hey, um, Iowa scored forty points on Saturday. Can you fucking believe it? That's a give him three. I know. I, don't I, care, I, don't I care cannot what believe that. I ain't giving Kirk Ferentz three. Nah, bro. Not did. yet. Not yet. He did it, bro. You he gotta was, earn the three. He you know what? Do it two weeks in a row, Brian Ferentz. Give him one and a half. One and a half claps. How did you can do that? Uh, let's give him one. There you go. <laughs> not bad. Not bad See, at all. Crisp. It's <laughs> not bad at all. Uh, let's talk about Bama, guys. Uh, should we? Or should we talk about Penn State struggling with Illinois first? Let's talk do you want to save Bama for last? Yeah, let's save Bama for last. Oh. Uh, Penn State struggled with Illinois. They won this game 30 to 13. Um, it wasn't a defensive struggle at all for Penn State. Penn State held, listen to this stat held Illinois to seven possessions on Saturday of three plays or less. So they either punted after three plays or turned it over within three plays on seven of their total possessions. All right, Penn State on the offensive side of the football was very hit or miss on Saturday. I went through the, uh, the play chart before the show. Only three of their 15 possessions lasted longer than eight plays. Okay, but they didn't turn the ball over. So Penn State on Saturday was get Illinois the hell off the field really, really quickly or give up two explosives. And on the offensive football, offensive side of the football, it was three and out or five and a touchdown. That was just about it on Saturday. What did you think about Penn State? I didn't watch a ton of the game just because it was going on around the same time that Georgia game was. Yeah. But from what I saw in the highlights, I saw it is exactly what you said. They were kind of just, let's just get through this game. Kind of slept, walked through it, and then realized at halftime, like, hey, wait a minute, this is a one-score game. We might need to try something here, and then came away with a win. I, I think it was just kind of one of those week three games. They weren't necessarily in the in the weeds like FSU was against Boston College, but maybe just a little bit of a sleeper. Maybe you're looking ahead of the schedule. You're like, all right, we'll just kind of walk our way through this one, mark a dub against Illinois, and we'll move on. Texas did exactly what we told you they had to avoid. Mm. Exactly what we told you. We told you after the Alabama win, it meant nothing. It meant nothing other than that they could win a national spotlight football game. But a 20-19 to 19 loss against Bryce Young last year kind of proved that to me anyways. Week two, okay, in the 2022 season. And then they go on to have four more one-score losses because of this kind of shit of not showing up and playing consistently week in and week out, of just, hey, we're going to throw our pads out here today because we're Texas and we're playing somebody lesser than us. Like, the, the inconsistency and the arrogance of Texas might cost them a college football playoff berth in a year in which, by the way, they've done the hard work. They have. They have already shown up and done the hardest part of the workout, and now they're going to sit over there and loaf the rest of the workout. Okay? It's, my, my coach used to say, hey, $100 play, $5 throw. 
That's what they did. They went in there and had a goddamn $1,000, million-dollar win on the road against Alabama, and they're going to squander it, pissing it away, not showing up against Baylor. You watch. That's what they do every single year, and until they prove otherwise, that's the stance. That's the take. The take is you can't be consistent. You can't be consistently great. Okay, 10-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter against Wyoming. Yeah. Only person in the entire world that saw it coming was our boy Kirby. Okay, unless it didn't happen. Um, now let's get into these Bama reactions. Mm. Y'all want to? Y'all got yeah. any more thoughts on Texas? I kind of just shit on them pretty quickly. No, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's the show me thing. Yeah, you, you show, show me thing. you can win the game that you usually can't. Now you have to consistently do it week in and week out, and they just it doesn't look like they're going to be able to do it. Print the I, shirts. Show me. Show me. Just show me. Um, I am not one. I really am not one. I'm not one to sit here and question the greatest football coach of all time, greatest college football coach of all time. I'm really not. Uh, but he has done something this year, and he did something Saturday, that I don't think anybody else in college football really gets away with or really does at all. Um, he publicly benched Jalen Milrow this past week after one loss to Texas, only to start Tyler Buckner, give him six drives, pull him for Ty Simpson, um, just so they could squeak out a 17-3 win against USF, a football team, by the way, that won one game last year. One football game last year, Alabama beat them by seven to 14 points in a monsoon. Okay, and now we find out today that Jalen Milrow has been named the starting quarterback against Ole Miss. So they just kind of took a week off from Jalen. Now they're going to go back to him after watching both the ties wet down their leg against a mid-major opponent in USF. Okay, sorry, a Big 12 opponent in USF. Um, there are several theories going on on the internet right now about this, this quarterback decision-making. I think there are three. I think there are three theories right now that you've seen espoused on social media about Alabama and Nick Saban and the quarterback decision-making process over the last month or so out there in Tuscaloosa. One, okay, he sat Milrow because he thought Tyler Buckner could legitimately be a better quarterback. That's our, that's our option number one, right? That's the, main, that's the main option why you most of the time go with your backup quarterback, right? You think it gives you a better chance to win. That's option number one. And typically the most reasonable option, the most only option. Uh, in situations like this. Option number two, he sat Jalen Milrow as some form of punishment or some form of humbling, which is some of the rumors that we've heard on the internet today. Or rule number, or possibility number three, he sat Milrow in hopes of something better occurring at the quarterback position, which is somewhat plausible. Um, so which of these three, and I'm going to ask you these guys, which of these three are you on the side of audience and chat? Um, me personally, I don't think there's a way in hell, not a way in hell, that the greatest football coach of all time watched, college football coach of all time, watched Tyler Buckner practice the last four months and thought there was any shot in Sam's hell that Tyler Buckner is going to be a better option than Jalen Milrow. There's just no chance. There is no chance that we watched that dude play football for six series in person, in public, on Saturday, not to mention we've seen the sample size at Notre Dame, and Nick Saban thought that dude was fitting to be better than Jalen Milrow. I just find it impossible to believe that. Um, I do think that UCF, again, a football team that only won one game last year, was bad enough, however, for them to just treat this as a glorified scrimmage. Mm. I do think that's a possibility. See, I would be with you on that one, and this is why I think it was disciplinary reasons, is because – 
that game was an absolute monsoon. So for you to go into that game saying, this is going to be where we test out Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner, guys that are not mobile like like Milrow, and say, this is your opportunity. Let them go toss the pigskin around in the pouring down rain and two feet of water, and let's see who survives. When if it's when Milrow would be the better option in a game like that because it's a ground-and-pound game, let him get you the dub, just kind of walk your way through that. I just don't think that that's logical to do that if you are going to open it up a little bit, see your better options. That's not an environment you want to see it in. That's a great point. If we are going to try to evaluate the other options, let's do it in a non-monsoon type of environment. Um, so, yeah, these suspension theories are, are seeming, I mean, plausible, mm-hmm. right? The the theory, I think I'm leaning towards suspension just because I think rumor is he mouthed off at practice, was too arrogant, wasn't being a team player. I think there's also a possibility where Nick Saban heard all the flack, heard all the outside noise of like, why is Jalen Miro? He's, he can't be the answer. He can't be our best option. And kind of said, you know what? We have a game against USF. We're going to win. It's, it's going to take a miracle for USF to win this game. Let me show you how bad the other two quarterbacks are. Let me start Tyler Buckner. Let me, let me put Ty Simpson in there, and then you can go, oh, damn. I guess Jalen Miller was the answer. You got Nick Saban being petty? I mean, it, look, we, we know what I said about Nick Saban two weeks ago, and y'all shut that down. But I, I think at this point he's kind of like, bro, look. I mean, you, you threw dirt on the grave a couple weeks ago. You and I, I wasn't I, – I was afraid of the take, I'll be honest with you. Um, but it's not looking good. It's mm-hmm. not looking good. Did you, did you see the clip of him walking back in the locker room after uh-uh. the game? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll have to show you that off. He looks like a man. Distraught. Just, like, distraught. Yes. Like, he, the, for the first time, he looked like a truly old man. Like, he was just like, fuck, dude, I'm done with this. Like, damn, that like, dude's been through some shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this quarterback discussion is important. Don't get me wrong. It's the most vital position in the sport. I think that's clear. I think if you look at the teams that have success right now in college football, they got solid quarterback play mm-hmm. or above average quarterback play. But bottom line for me at Alabama, that's not it, it's a problem. It's not the only problem. No. Every single time you score a touchdown, there's yellow flags on the field. That's a problem. You're not you're not disciplined anymore. Where'd that come from? All right. It's also a problem that, yeah. You're at, your offense line averages six foot eight, 395 pounds. They're a herd of elephants. They look great. And yeah, they can run block. They can. They averaged six yards a carry against USF last week. But guess what? They're all turnstiles in the pass protection game. Mm-hmm. Whether it be three-man pass or three-man rushes, four-man rushes, five-man rushes, it's, it's all, all, all doors open at Alabama right now in pass protection. You know why? Probably because they're a little bit too heavy. Okay? Hard to go this way. Hard to go this way and get in front of people when I'm 397 pounds. Even though it's great to be big, it looks awesome rolling off the bus. But the change of direction right now at offensive line play for Alabama is atrocious. And that's why you see most of these sacks are speed rushes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Most of these sacks, Caden Proctor's getting spun like a turnstile. Mm-hmm. Most of these sacks, J.C. Latham's giving up short edge. Like, you're too heavy. No one's going to let you play at 370 pounds in the NFL. They're not. Nope. Unless you're six foot nine, you look like Dewan Jones. The only reason they're going to let you play that way. If you're not, guess what they're going to do? They're going to make you play at 305, 310. Okay? Really hard to block Von Miller at 390 pounds. Impossible. And that's why I continue to believe it's due to discipline because you can't watch that offensive line play. Nick Saban cannot watch that offensive line play and think that Tyler Buckner or Ty Simpson is going to be able to sit in that pocket and deliver the football around the field. Okay. 
Explain to me then why through two games with Jalen Milrow as a starter, we had no design quarterback run game. Where's that at? It's a fantastic question. Why? Like, if we know that Milrow's our guy, and if, we, if as a coaching staff, we're just going to fuck around and play the other two guys against USF as a punishment because USF's that bad, then why are we designing game plans to falter the quarterback that we think we're going to ultimately go with? Because that don't make no sense either. No at all. Zero design quarterback run game for Jalen Milrow against Texas. Mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Mind-blowing. And it's weird because that they've, that's something they've done such a good job of doing, especially when they have a guy that is mobile. Like when they had Jalen Hurts, Alabama always did a fantastic job of putting in design runs for Jalen Hurts to get into the open field and use his best asset. That's what his best asset was at Alabama. I know it's not the same people calling the plays, but Al, but Nick Saban knows what that should look like. He knows that that's what they should do with Milrow at quarterback. As to why they haven't, I don't know. That continues to be the burning question. It, it, it kind of goes back to what we said at the start of the season where they've leaned so much into this we're going to lean on you type of style where mm-hmm. we're just going to it's we're going to be handoffs and play actions they haven't really designed runs we're going to do quote unquote bully ball and they very quickly found out that you can't do that i agree mm-hmm. there needs to be more design runs for Jalen mill if he is going to be your guy but it seems like their identity coming into the season was well, shit, we can't throw the ball. We know that. So we're just going to run the piss out of it. And they're finding out that that's not as an effective option as they thought it might have been. Shocker. Um, <laughs> who's in a worse predicament right now, Tennessee or Alabama, moving forward this season? Not like in totality. Talk about this season. Who's in more trouble? Hmm. I know I didn't prep you for this. This is my thought. No, I'm going to go with Alabama, I think. See, I think it's Tennessee for this reason and this reason only. They're not going to be able to just lean on people and win nine games. That's a good they, point. they don't have the personnel. They don't have the defense, and they don't have the personnel to just lean on people, nor the offensive identity. Tennessee can't slow down. That's the antithesis of what they do offensively. So if you can't slow down and you're one-dimensional, meaning you really can't throw the football, they can't. They're having a real issue right now developing any type of consistent passing game, okay? And they don't have the bodies to just bully everybody. Alabama will bully everybody on their slate except for who? LSU, Ole Miss, and A&M? Yeah, yeah. Those are the three teams, talented enough and big enough to just not get leaned on for four quarters. Tennessee's not going to be able to do that to hardly anybody. If they can't do it to Florida, who's completely revamping their roster right now, they might be able to do it to South Carolina, but it didn't show us they could do it last year. Nope. And they damn sure don't look like they're going to be able to stop Spencer Rattler if, they, if that becomes an issue. So I, I think Tennessee's in a way worse predicament right now through three weeks than Alabama. I'm going to also say Tennessee just because they already have a loss in the SEC. As bad as Alabama's looked so far, they're still technically undefeated in the SEC. They can run the table and win the West and be an 11-1 team. They're, theoretically, Alabama's playoff hopes are still 100% alive. It doesn't look Correct. like it. Tennessee's, on the other hand, you still have to play Alabama – you still have to play Georgia. You still have an, a slaughtering of an SEC schedule. I think schedule. they get A&M this year too, don't they? Do they? What? That'll be a, that's I'll a real issue. Up. But th- things like that for Tennessee, what's left on their schedule is much more daunting, in my opinion, than what Alabama has. Yeah, they got A&M October 14th. Wow. Ooh. They play uh, South Carolina September 30th, a week off. They play Texas A&M at home. They go to Alabama, to Kentucky. Bro, yeah. Tennessee might be a 7-5 and five team. Bro, Tennessee's in trouble. I'm telling you. I, I, I just I, – but here's the deal. Heupel's not in trouble because they got Nico. 
Yeah, that's what that's. He's got insurance. He's and, got three yeah. years. No different than Sark at Texas. And, Sark at Texas got insurance. And his I, name's Archman. That's why I said Alabama because I was looking at it through a different perspective than I think the question was originally posed as. Is like this season moving forward, who's in a worse predicament? And I was kind of looking at it as like, you know, Tennessee, they at least have the excuse of like, well, we're in the same division as Georgia. Like the window is not open for us right now to win the division, go win the SEC and make the college football playoff because we have the best team in college football in our division. The West is wide open. Alabama should be the team that goes on and wins their division and plays in Atlanta in December. So there isn't an excuse for them to say anything as to why that shouldn't be the case. I like yeah, it. I, I like it, guys, too. All right. Um, brother, Pac-12. Pac-12. We thought – I think we were we were the only – and I don't listen to a lot of other people, so maybe the chat can help us out here. I, we might have been the only southeastern-based national you know, show – to be out here just caping for the Pac-12 preseason. I mean, so mm-hmm. much so that the chat was like, for real, Pac-12 sucks. Like, no way. Mm-hmm. Look at the quarterback play. Look at the quarterback play out at, at, in the Pac-12. Just look at the teams in general. They got the returning Heisman Trophy winner at USC. Utah's playing like a top 12 program despite the fact that their starting quarterback still is not back. Oregon's scoring damn near 60 a game right now with Bo Nix. Oregon State's still undefeated. They've got a power five win. Okay, Colorado seems to have one of the better quarterbacks in college football in Shadur Sanders. And Wazoo, Washington State is a perfect 3-0 with a win over a ranked opponent. Oregon State's undefeated. Like, there are a bunch of football teams in the Pac-12 right now and a bunch of really, really good quarterback play out there, boys. They're yeah, a fun con- – oh, sorry, you go. I'm really excited to see what the Pac-12 looks like next year. Ah, I get it. They're not going to have There's one There's not going to be a Pac-12. It's, it's so weird to see this that it's like – That was in my notes. In the last season of the Pac-12, they yeah. might actually have their first shot in a decade to make the playoff. Not even not even make the playoff. Be the best conference in the, yeah. in the, in the league. Like it's SEC's down, ACC's got Florida State and Clemson at best. Other than that, Big Ten might might be. I think Pac-12 is the best conference in the college football right now. It is to me. It's I I I hate doing the not close thing. It's not close to me because of the quarterback play. Yeah, the quarterback plays far superior. They got five of the best six, seven quarterbacks in the country. I was just about to say, you make a top ten list of best court college quarterbacks right now, it's littered with Pac-12 quarterbacks. And that's yeah. what matters most, especially in a league like that. And I think that's why we kind of have shown so much love to the Pac-12 because they're a fun conference to watch. When you get to watch guys like the, like those offenses out there operate and they have good weapons and you get to watch Caleb Williams and you get to watch Michael Penix and you get to watch those guys play, that's fun to watch. And how can you not love it, especially when you have so many in the mix right now? I'm going to debunk it in, in, the, in the sense that two of them make it because I don't think they're going to have two one-loss teams out of that. No. We've, that's the other thing. We've been hyping the Pac-12 up over and over again, but we also shit on the Pac-12 commissioner every time we have this discussion because they stacked our schedule like idiots, like absolute idiots. They make these guys play all the best opponents in the last four or five weeks of the season, and they all beat each other up every single year, and it never matters. Yeah, they all. there's always that team that seems to stumble right in front of the finish line, so – We'll see who does it this year. I mean, last year it was USC, but I feel like there's too many teams that are going to be close to the finish line to stumble. Yeah. Like, I think there's going to be three or four one-loss teams in the Pac-12 this year and at, at the end of the regular season. And this conversation that we're having about the Pac-12 right now is exactly why I'm of the belief that there isn't a parody in college football right now like everybody likes to believe. I'm not a believer of that. I think we have this same conversation every single year where three weeks into the season, everybody's like, oh, this, see, this is why we have the 12-team playoff. Everybody yeah. looks good right now. Or nobody looks great. Where Everybody's in the mix. 
Talk to me in eight weeks and tell me if you think there are eight teams that you think are deserving of a playoff big, spot. Big time is anybody good season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's that time of the year where it's like, is there anybody good? Or but five weeks ball? from now, we're going to see those teams that finally emerge because yeah. the teams that are going to lose are going to lose. The teams that are not good enough to win a title are not going to rise up to the occasion. The teams that are good enough, they're the teams that are going to remain in the top five and answer the bell every single week and remain undefeated in that position. More shocking. Iowa score 40 points. Pac-12 got six of the best quarterbacks in America. I was scoring 40. Pac- I, so I, I go Pac-12. For real? I think Shadur is the big surprise there. Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, Outside of that, I think I kind of knew that everybody – well, Bo, I'm still not a Bo Nix believer, but – Hey. I, go ahead. Get on the Bo bandwagon. I'm I dare not, you. I'm not, it's, a, it's a joke. I mean, but seriously, you talking about just a, a goofy-ass bet. I mean, just tying yourself to one of the most inconsistent human beings in the world. Um, but he did play great towards the end of the season last year mm-hmm. and then got hurt. Uh, but anyways, I got a top 12, and it's why you're all here. All of you right here, right now, are here to find out how Brooks and the Film Guy Network rank these top 12 football teams after three weeks of college football. Should we go 1 to 12 or 12 to 1? 12 to 1. 12 to 1. Build the Actually, build it. Or should I give you one and then go 12 what's, to 2? What's going to be more suspenseful if he goes 1 to 12 or 12 to 1? Because uh, I feel like I kind of like, the, I like what the you one, just said. The cultural playoff committee always does this. We All right, have so obvious we're gonna one. Do. We're going to go obvious one, Georgia. All right, now let's go 12 to 2. Here we go. Georgia at the top. Number 12. I got Oregon here at number 12. I know they scored 80 points against Portland State. The, the struggles against Texas Tech with regards to line of scrimmage play really scare me with regards to, yeah, let's just put them in. The top 10, all right? If you can't control a lot of scrimmage against the Texas Tech football team, you might not be able to do it for a, a week-in and week-out basis in that Pac-12, a conference that's going to require it. I liked what I saw from LSU this past weekend, and I also like the fact that this seems to be a football team that slow starts, okay? So if I'm going to, you know, project to what they're going to be come October or December, you would presume they're going to be a better football team. Harold Perkins getting a little more comfortable. Jaden Daniels getting a little, bo- a little bit more comfortable. Malik Neighbors had damn near 300 yards this past weekend. I know that uh, Mississippi State's not very good offensively right now. They're still trying to work through some kinks. But it's still a really tough defense to play against. And they picked it the hell apart on Saturday. I got LSU at number 11. I got Utah at number 10. Uh, the way that they continue to stack wins with backup quarterbacks, I think is rather relatively impressive. And I think they have one of the better defenses in a Pac-12 conference that really, despite the fact that we were talking about all the quarterback play, don't have a ton of consistent defenses. So Utah in there at number 10. I'm going to put Notre Dame in at number 9. I think they've handled business. We're going to see this week, right? Ohio State, Notre Dame, this weekend, we finna find out. I think whoever wins that football game, for me, is going to be about, I don't know, maybe three, four in next week's rankings. I think that's a very, very important game moving forward. I got Washington in at number eight. We already talked a little bit about them. Uh, dropped Penn State this week. Okay, we've been talking about how, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a brand of football. You and Ohio State play very similar brands of football. Who's going to play a better brand? All right, and this past week, Ohio State played the better brand, scored 63 points uh, against West, uh, Western Kentucky, beat them 63 to 10, cost me a $200 20 to 1 parlay, not mad about it at all, um, would have been a nice pair of new Jays on that one though, but anyways, <laughs> hey, put you uh, ahead of Penn State this week because of the same reasons, we talked about it the first two weeks when we did these, had Penn State higher, quarterback play is better, offense looks better. Not this week. So we we might continue to interchange these two throughout the year until they play each other. I got USC number five uh, for obvious reasons, but they have played nobody. It's been Nevada, San Jose State, and a Stanford team who lost to San Jose State. 
So it's been dog water. It's been really, really bad football teams that they've played against. But guess what? We're going to find out relatively soon. I think in two weeks they play Colorado. Yep. So we're going to find out. Texas at number four. You did exactly what we told you not to do. You showed up flat. You're going to show up flat in a couple weeks against Big 12 team, and I think you're going to be in a four-quarter football game that you might be a turnover away from losing, to be honest with you. I can see it happening right now. Texas is Texas still. Texas ain't back. Texas is the same Texas until they go out and handle business like they're supposed to week in and week out. Um, I didn't mind the way Florida State survived a shitty, shitty football game. Again, noon start, Boston College, ACC football team. Thomas Castellanos was out there running around like a goddamn wild man. Okay, the fact that UCF let him go, I get it. John Rice Plumley's the starting quarterback, but that kid's from Ware County. He's going to continue to ball out up there for that football team at Boston College. That was such a fun watch. If you guys watched Thomas Castellanos mm-hmm. Saturday, so damn fun. Maybe the most best athlete on the football field. I got Michigan number two. Um, didn't look great. Didn't look great Saturday, um, but I think y'all were out there dicking around like Michigan tends to do every once in a do while. They, do they have their coach back yet? Or is he no, next, it's next week. Next, next week. week. Next that's, week. That's they set him it. for the first three, um, and they're going to get him back against Rutgers next week. Uh, going to sit him again first week of the season. Next, week, next year, they play Texas week two. So the NCAA asked him to take a four-game suspension, he said, and then took a three-game suspension so he could – coach against Rutgers, their first non-conference, and then delayed the fourth game until next year when they play Texas Week 2. What a trooper. Yeah. Just, what, a good, what, a, what a smart guy. I think savvy savvy businessman. What is a bigger example in sports of the Petty Olympics? Because I don't have one. Uh, buying sunglasses for your entire roster because an opposing coach said, I take my sunglasses off when I talk to people. That's pretty petty. Mm-hmm. Chat's asking for a Biff update. You got a Biff date for me? Oh, we do. Oh, I do. I actually got a, got got a, a pretty good before Biff we, update. Before we do Biff that, Pugs I, update? I do want to ask. Just hypothetically, like, where would you put Oregon State? Because uh, I think they're the more, sl- more slept-on team in the country this year. Yeah, I, I think my, my next one I was going to grab, um, I can't remember. It's right around that, 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 like, uh, that 15 or 16 spot on the AP right now. Mm-hmm. There's a team that I really, really liked. It wasn't Oregon State. Um, it was Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss right now. I think Ole Miss plays fast. I think <laughs> Ole Miss has got a lot of weapons. I think Ole Miss is a, a solid 9-3 football team like they are every year. Give me my Pogues update. All right. So, he, the 49ers played Georgia State this week. They mm. were in a battle with them up until about later in the second half. Things got a little out of hand. And our man Pogey is just fed up with what is going on with his program right now. So much, though. That he basically put his entire coaching staff on blast and said, I'm going to be the guy to do everything around here. He said he's going into the playbook simplifying terms. He's going to tell coaches how he wants it done because he wants it done his way. And he's like, guys, football's simple, and so I'm going to do it my way, and we're going to make some changes around here. If you don't like it, then you can leave. You know, I, I thought about taking the week off when we go and have a bye week. Mm-hmm. Might just have to go see my man Biff. Check in on him. See how he's doing. Just probably, hey, Pogues, I want to smoke a stove with you. I want to sit down, and I want to talk what's the proper technique to keep pit stains out my white tees. And he's going to tell me to cut the sleeves off. I want to start a podcast with Pogey called Stogies and Stories, and I just want him to talk stories. Stories and Stogies with Pogey. I like it. Wow. That's that's Stories and Stogues with the Pogues. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, I appreciate you guys again. We already told you the love for the NBR segment is growing. All right. I know this this guy, this this damn Georgia beat reporter who made his, you know, 
foot in the market as this guy who only gives Georgia opinions is now suddenly giving national college football opinions. I promise you right now, if you've listened to this show through the first two weeks of college football, we are nailing shit. We are absolutely on top of it. And it's not because we end segments with unless it doesn't happen. All right. That's mm. not it. We're not just fading our bets here. Um, I think we're doing a great job here, honestly, uh, covering tremendous content and covering a tremendous sport. So I appreciate you guys for loving on it. I appreciate you guys for everything. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, rate, review. I love you. We'll see you tomorrow.